In today's episode, we are chatting with Emily from the food blog, Emily Eats. Not only does Emily blog about plant-powered eats and treats, she is also a dietetic intern, and that is actually why I brought her on today. And one more thing, if her plate weren't already full enough already, she's also founder of the Food Blog Academy, where she helps other food bloggers learn and grow their business. To say I'm a huge fan of all she does, well, that would be an understatement. She's really cool and really awesome. But the reason I brought her on today was to give us the scoop on sugar. It's January, and everywhere I look, I'm seeing messages about detoxing from sugar and more. Take the sugar challenge. Take the sugar-free January. But really, what is the hype about sugar? Are some sugars better for us than others? What is actually refined added sugar? How much sugar is good or bad? Or maybe we shouldn't even be so worried about all this sugar talk. Well, we talk about that and more in today's interview. It's time to adapt to a plant-based palate, minimize waste, and respect our environment. Hello, we are Joe and Sarah Hayes, and we are the hosts of the Bowl of Life podcast, where we are encouraging you to join the plant-forward food movement. It's time for vegetables to move from the side of your plate to the center, and we are here each week to help you do that. So if increasing your vegetable consumption and limiting your animal proteins sounds like a win-win to you, go grab a spoon or fork and let's dive into learning more about how you can be plant forward. Hello and welcome back once again to the Bowl of Life podcast. Today we are talking about sugar. This topic always seems to come up in the new year. Maybe you make a goal to decrease your sugar intake or you join a sugar-free challenge Or you decide, I'm going to start using natural sugars or healthier sugars because they're better for me. But really, what is sugar and how does our body process it? I know I've been guilty of saying that this or that sugar is healthier for me or my family. And our guest today is probably cringing a little when I said that. But with all these sugar friends out there, I thought it best to get to the bottom of this sugar issue and just educate ourselves with the correct information. So that's why I brought on someone who has actually studied this. Emily is a dietetic intern, and maybe you've heard of her food blog, Emily Eats. It's fantastic, and she knows her facts when it comes to nutrition. I love her fresh voice out there on social media when it comes to talking about what really is fact versus fiction when it comes to what we eat and put in our bodies. So welcome, Emily, to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're so passionate that we get our facts straight when it comes to nutrition? Yeah, thank you for having me. Also, I'm not cringing because we... <laughs> I, I, I cringe. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I do too, you know, when I go back to my old blog posts and I, you know, tell people to eat this or that sugar. So I've definitely fallen in to this kind of misinformation. So it all it happens to all of us and we can just do the best we can moving forward with new information. Um, but yeah, so I'm a dietetic intern, uh, which means that I am in the last stages in my process to become a registered dietitian. Um, I just got my master of science in nutrition uh, back this summer, uh, which is very exciting. And I just love debunking misinformation in the nutrition space because I feel like I see, you know, we, we get all kinds of misinformation from our friends and family, just, you know, as we go through life from media or whatever it might be, but being in the online space, being in blogging, um, 
many food bloggers are not nutrition professionals, which is totally fine, obviously, but um, there just is a lot of nutrition misinformation in the online space, which was honestly one of the things that made me kind of shift my career goal and um, take the leap to become a registered dietitian because I did see so much of that. Um, so yeah, I just want to provide like factual information and make people feel less crazy and um, like unsure around food. Like I just want people to feel like more confident when they, you know, sit down and have a meal. Oh yeah, for sure. And there, like you said, there is just so much, so much information at our fingertips these days. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. And especially maybe if, you know, you're a young person and you're on social media and you, you know, you just kind of blindly believe sometimes what you hear and you maybe can't even decipher what's real and what's not. And that can be a, a bit harmful, especially if you start really believing maybe somebody that doesn't have their facts straight. And to me, that I think that's the scariest thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly where I was when I first kind of got into blogs. I was about 18 or 19. I was 19 when I started my blog and um, I had recently become vegan and that whole, and I'm, I'm still vegan to this day, but the online vegan community, as you know, is full of tons of misinformation yeah. and just really extreme um, diet advice and really unrealistic body expectations. So that space, um, you know, was definitely one factor that put me in kind of an unhealthy place with food. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was in the same spot where like I was consuming all of this inaccurate information about nutrition. And then I was like, wait, this is not helping me at all. Like this is not helping me to become a healthier person. I actually feel awful. Like I'm not healthy. I'm the unhealthiest I've ever been actually. And I feel crazy around food. So that obviously I'm not, <laughs> I'm doing quote all the good things, but I'm obviously not in a better place for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you went to, did you go do your undergrad in something different? And then you went on to do your master's in dietetics. So you'd already been at the blog for a couple of years and you kind of started noticing this happening. Is that kind of the, the yeah. timeline? That yeah. Happened? So my bachelor's degree is in mass communication with a concentration in PR, public relations. And, um, towards the end of my degree, I was like, you know, and through that, like I started the blog, I, kind of developed a really unhealthy relationship with food in my body, went through like a recovery period. And then towards the end of my undergrad, I was like, you know, I actually want to become a registered dietitian. So I started taking a bunch of extra classes on top of my degree. Oh, wow. To, yeah, it was very intense <laughs> to, get yeah. me, um, to be able to get into a master's program for nutrition because I had like barely taken any science classes at that point. Um, so I had to catch up with like, uh, organic chemistry and biochemistry and microbiology, you know, all these things. Um, and then I went straight into my master's degree after my undergrad. Um, but yeah, I've been blogging basically since my, the end of my freshman year of college. Wow. Yeah. And I think, I think your journey just to hear you kind of talk about it is just so cool that you noticed, like you were in the food space mm -hmm. and you're noticing all this misinformation and you realized, hey, I can be a voice of change out there to help people get this correct. And I just, I think that's a really cool story. And that's, you know, just so amazing how you, how you shifted that. And now you can use, um, 
you know, your blog and your following and all of that as just a voice of change. Yeah. And, you know, just, I think more people probably, you know, need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, you know, it's been a fun journey and I just, I knew that I wanted to offer a little bit more. Um, like I knew that nutrition was something that I really loved and I just saw how kind of like common sense, just like down to earth nutrition it made a difference in my life. Um, and yeah, I just felt like I had that to offer. So felt like it was almost kind of like my responsibility to become a dietitian and kind of share what had helped me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you called my attention a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago mm -hmm. on Instagram mm -hmm. when you did a whole story about sugar. And I mentioned this in the intro and it caught my attention because there are a lot of things out there that talk about, well, this sugar is healthier and this sugar isn't healthy. And it's like, whoa, back up a second. Like what, why are we even saying like this is healthier than that is healthier? Because kind of health is different for everybody to begin with. But I really wanted you to kind of break it down because I know there were some eye-opening moments for me when I listened to you talk about it. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. And um, I, I think I've shared uh, your Instagram story with quite a few people. Like, okay. hey, you to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is really good. So if you're listening to the podcast right now, go check out Emily's Instagram as well. We're going to list that all in the show notes. Um, and she has a whole highlight about the sugar thing. But um, I did, and I know that you had this disclaimer too, when you were talking about it, that, you know, if you have a serious medical condition that has to do with, you know, blood sugar, definitely go consult your doctor that, you know, we're more talking in the general um, misinformation space that's right. floating around out there. Right. Yeah. Just for the general, you know, the generally healthy person um, or a person that doesn't have a medical condition that affects blood sugar. So that, that would be a case where right. you would want to talk to your doctor or a dietitian about your specific condition. Right, right. So, okay. So first question, what is all the hype with sugar? Because I feel like even though so many people are kind of, you know, using those words of healthy sugar or this is a natural sugar, and it seems like we're still consuming a lot of sugar. <laughs> so yeah. why are we so sugar obsessed? What is all the hype about? It? Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, I think every kind of nutrition concern or maybe piece of nutrition information kind of it's kind of like a game of telephone you know it kind of starts as like maybe a genuine worry or a genuine concern but just as it like morphs and evolves you get down to you know you start with maybe hey we're like eating you know as a society we're eating a little bit too much added sugar and then you go down the telephone line and then you end up with Oh, maple syrup is healthier than sugar. And you're like, wait, how did we get here? Like it actually started as something with, you know, some, some value or some actual concern, but we ended up at this place that's like absolutely not true, you know? Oh so, yeah. No, I agree. I think I went down to that little rabbit trail myself when I think maybe when I first started to have kids and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like I want to, you know, make these quick breads because mm -hmm. the kids like them. But they have so much, they have so much of this processed sugar in them. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should just put honey in them. And it's like, oh my gosh, now I look back and I'm like, okay, I spent like way premium dollar on <laughs> honey. <Yeah. laughs> if anything, I'm just trying to save people money because I know that like the, um, I'm going to use the quote unquote word unprocessed here, but just know that I don't actually mean it in a 
bad way or that they're even unprocessed because they're not every food is processed in some way but just that that's how people refer to them as but I know that they are so expensive and it they can't you know and we'll get into this but they carry really no benefit over white sugar so if anything this is going to save you some money (laughs) yeah right so look at it that way if uh definitely money saving and uh you know maybe just reducing your sugar in the new year Mm -hmm. (laughs) it goes along definitely an episode to listen to yeah so what are the three basic building blocks of sugar so let's kind of dive into like the behind the scenes of sugar yeah yeah um and i'm all about you know, science information, because I think knowledge is power, information is power. So I'm going to get a little sciencey, but I'll, you know, try to keep it, um, you know, understandable. But so we have carbohydrates, one of the macronutrients, and then under carbohydrates, we have sugars. And we have three types of um, basic building blocks of sugars. So we have glucose, fructose, and galactose. And uh, these sugar bu- building blocks can be um, combined uh, to form other types of sugars. For example, glucose plus fructose makes sucrose, which is table sugar. Table sugar is 100% sucrose. So it's 50-50 glucose and fructose. Um, fructose is found um, in high concentrations in fruit. Um, galactose is, uh, milk sugar. So it's going to be found in, in dairy products, but those are what we would call naturally occurring sugars. So, um, you know, fruit comes packaged with fiber and antioxidants and minerals, and that fiber helps slow the, um, slow the release of those sugars into our blood, which is what we want. We want a slower release most of the time. And then same for dairy, it comes with protein and fat and, uh, you know, vitamins and minerals and that protein and fat as like the fiber and fruit, the protein and fat is going to slow the release of those sugars into our blood. So when we talk about added sugars, we're not talking about those naturally occurring sugars that are in fruit and dairy products, but also in smaller amounts in, you know, whole grains and, um, vegetables and and such. Oh, so what would be considered those sugars that are in like the whole grains and like vegetables, like carrots, I think you naturally hear people say, well, carrots are, you know, a higher, um, sugary tasting thing, you know, vegetable. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are, you know, there are sugars in all plant foods because they're types of carbohydrates and plant foods are, you know, typically, higher in carbohydrates. Some of it is starch, which is a different type of carbohydrate. It's not in the kind of sugars category. Um, but those, again, those are what we would consider naturally occurring sugars. So when we talk about reducing our sugar intake, again, for the average person, we're not talking about those. So we want to, we're really talking about added sugars. So they come in many different names. <laughs> um, so sucrose, which is table sugar, um, cane sugar, honey, maple syrup, agave, dextrose, fructose, high fructose corn syrup. Um, there's so many, there's so many names for added sugars, but those are found yeah. in, um, you know, sugar sweet beverages, uh, you know, any, you know, baking things, anything that you bake, um, sausage, you know, anything that would have sugar on the label. And now with the new, um, nutrition label, which should be, going completely into effect in 2021. So we should see it on all food labels. Um, 
added sugars are um, specified separately. So you have like, you know, if you're looking at a nutrition label, you have carbohydrates and it gives the number. And then, you know, under that it has sugars and it gives you the number. On the old nutrition label, that would include, you know, um, sugars from those naturally occurring things like fruit and dairy products, as well as added sugar. So it is a little bit confusing for the consumer. But now added sugar is going to be on a separate line. So you can focus on, okay, exactly how much added sugar is in this product, which I think is a really good, um, I think it's a really good step. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't realize that it was new and coming because mm-hmm. it seems like some things I have noted, like on cereal, I think yeah. sometimes they already have that listed and yeah. maybe like yogurt, they might have that listed as well. Like if you have a flavored yogurt. Yeah. So this, this nutrition label was um, created, God, I don't know when, and it has started to go into effect, but I think by 2021 all, and honestly that could have been pushed back by COVID. Um, but I think by 2021 all, food products have to have this new nutrition label. So we are seeing them, you know, on some products, but it will have to be, you know, on every single product, this new nutrition label, which has some other changes as well. But that added sugar line um, is an important, an important change to know. So when we look at that new label that's Mm -hmm. coming out and we look at, okay, like, okay, there's the natural sugar, there's Mm -hmm. the added sugar, like should we can be concerned about the level of the added sugar or the whole total sugars in it? Or is that, you know, I just wonder if that's going to be confusing for people even, or if they're, you know, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, it'll be. So the way that it works is that, um, you know, you have carbs at the top and then like uh, the next line is indented and it has sugars. And then the next line is indented again and it has added sugars, which means that the number I'm trying to use easy numbers. Let's say the added sugars are 15 grams, but the sugar line says 20. So that tells us that 15 of those 20 are added sugar and five are naturally occurring sugar. So like each new line is included within the line above. Does that kind of make sense? I don't know if I'm explaining that well. Like carbohydrates, you know, the number that's on that line is going to, um, include the numbers that are you know listed for sugars and added sugar so it's not an addition it's kind of like a specification of that number I don't know if that makes any sense <laughs> oh okay yeah okay so now I, okay yep I get it now I was thinking that um but that can, that, that can be that can be confusing because it, yeah it can be confusing because if you look and you say okay it says it has 20 carbs or 20 grams of carbs but it says it has 10 grams of added sugar. Is that in addition to the carbohydrates or is that included within the 20 grams? You know, a lot of people don't know how to read a nutrition label. So that could be a little bit confusing, but those numbers for sugars and added sugars are included within that number that's listed for carbohydrate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that makes, that makes much more sense. So look yeah. at it as like a business document. You got your bullet points and then your exactly. sub bullet exactly. points and the sub bullet points go yeah. along with the main. It's just clarifying what's in the, yeah, what's in the number above. Um, but you know, total sugars or total carbohydrates might be helpful for someone who, um, does have diabetes and has been instructed by their doctor or dietitian to, um, do carb counting or something like that. Um, but for the average person, um, I think added sugars is the thing to look at, um, because that's, 
you know, kind of what we're paying attention to, you know, no one is, no one is out here. Well, actually I say no one is out here trying to have people reduce their food intake, but there are actually people saying that. Um, but in general, in general, people are not eating enough fruit to begin with. Um, we're really not eating as a, we're not eating enough of anything except protein as a country. So no one should be telling people to reduce their fruit intake unless, you know, it's instructed by a medical professional. So, um, again, added sugars is what we want to look at. And I'd be happy to talk about, um, the blood sugar roller coaster during the day, if you would like. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I wanted to touch real quick too on that added sugar. So why is that consider, I mean, I don't even know how to word this without saying like unhealthy or worse for you. Why is it a concern? Why should we we be worried about that added sugar lie? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, in excess, we know that added sugar can, you know, contribute. It's not the main factor or like it's not a causation factor um, in the development of some health conditions, particularly um, diabetes or metabolic syndrome. Um, so we, we do have data to show that, that like high levels of it in excess. Um, that doesn't mean that we have to eliminate added sugar completely. I would argue that that's probably a bad idea actually for most people. Um, but you know, when we have sugars in fruit or dairy or, um, whole grains or vegetables, those, uh, those sugars are kind of packaged into fiber in the case of plant foods and protein and fat in the case of dairy, uh, dairy products. If you eat dairy, um, that helps slow the release of those sugars into our blood. Um, and over time, those, those like quick spikes of, um, blood sugar, you know, can be one, factor in the development of insulin resistance, um, which is one factor in type two diabetes and metabolic syndrome. So we really, you know, our goal is to slow the release of blood sugars into our blood. Um, it helps our, it helps insulin work better. Um, and we, we just know that it, you know, can reduce our risk of, like I said, type two diabetes and uh, metabolic syndrome, you know, among other conditions. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit more how about those blood sugar spikes and sure. such. I think, you know, that's a concern too. And, I, you know, maybe people don't even realize that if they ate something really sugary, you know, that it spikes up and down mm-hmm. and why we should be like focused on combining that with something, you know, fiber and such. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th- this is honestly, I think <laughs> the most, uh, helpful information because I think it helps people have honestly better days if you understand your blood sugar cycles almost. So when you eat a meal, um, you know, if it includes carbohydrates of any kind, fruit, grains, you know, starch, starchy vegetables, whatever it might be, those sugars are going to be released into our blood, which is going to raise our blood sugar. And then insulin comes along and is basically the key to open the door of the cell so that that sugar can get into the cell and provide those cells energy. Um, Without insulin, like so in the case of type 1 diabetes, you don't make enough insulin um, 
or sometimes that insulin is just not well utilized, that insulin is not there to open the door. Like the key, there's no key. <laughs> so mm. the sugars cannot get into the cell. And so you have really, really high blood sugar, um, which is not good because then it has to get filtered out into your kidneys and through your urine. Um, and that can be very dangerous. So um, insulin is there to act like a key to let that sugar into the cell. Um, when we have quick spikes of uh, blood sugar, so let's say we ate something, just for simplicity's sake, let's just say you ate like a few spoons full of plain sugar, just to make it really basic. <laughs> Um, no, that's it's like I'm an elf or something. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. If you ate a plate of like white spaghetti with maple syrup and M&Ms and all that kind of stuff, because I don't think that has truly any fiber, fat, or protein, <laughs> that sugar is going to rush into your blood because it has really nothing to slow it down. And that is going to impact our insulin function because it has to act act really quickly to get that blood into the cells. There's too much sugar in the blood. The cells don't need that much. Um, so what we, so that would be the, the, what we don't want. Um, again, that's going to happen to us sometimes just because life and we're humans, but over time, if we, you know, if that happens often, that can, um, increase our risk for developing metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance where that insulin you know, that key to open the door to the cell is basically rusty. Like it's there, but it just doesn't work as well. Um, so what would be more ideal for, you know, the majority of the time would be to, you know, if you're having added sugar or really with any meal, um, you want to have fiber, fat, and protein to slow down the release of those sugars into your blood. And this just improves our insulin function. Exercise also improves our insulin function really, really well, actually. Um, so fiber, fat, and protein slow those um, sugar releases into our blood. Um, and that actually helps us feel better during the day. Because if you think about, you know, if you did eat a meal like an elf, um, you know, and your blood sugar spikes really high, and then all of that sugar races into your cells, you are going to crash, you know, and I'm, we've all felt it before where you, you just feel horrible. You feel so crappy. Your, your blood sugar goes from being really high to really low in a very short period of time. And when, when our blood sugar drops that low, we start to get really intense cravings because our body is like, are we in a famine? Like what's going on right now? Like we need quick energy because our blood sugar is so low. And so then that's when we start to have really intense cravings. And then you just get in this really intense roller coaster of blood sugar spikes and crashes and spikes and crashes. And obviously that's not ideal because that's so exhausting. Like I can't even imagine <laughs> um, yeah. like going about my day feeling like that, um, you know, or, or have anyone having to go about their day feeling like that. So if we have those more, even blood sugar, because our blood sugar will rise after a meal. That's normal, but we don't want it to fall so low and it's, it's going to naturally fall. And then we get hungry, not ravenous and craving everything in sight, but we do get hungry and then we eat another meal and it rises to like a normal amount of blood sugar. Um, and that, and that's what we want. We're not going to have those, um, 
intense crashes, intense blood sugar spikes. Um, and then that's going to help, you know, our insulin keep working well and it's going to help us keep feeling well. Right, right. Yeah. So in my head, I'm just imagining like, you know, how we always kind of hear, um, you know, or, you know, you, oh, that little kid's going to crash or don't give them a bunch of sugar before dinner or before before bed, because they're just going to be running around like crazy and hyper. And, and that probably would be that spike, right? They eat a bag of M&Ms or whatever. Leave a kid a pixie stick with nothing else. And then where is that kid an hour later? Probably just conked out on the couch, you know? Um, right. That's right. If they are all begging you for more sugar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause you get to this point where you're just like, my body is just hasn't, there is no blood sugar left. I'm so low, you know, to the point of being like, you know, temporarily hypoglycemic and you are just craving everything, but that continues the cycle because you get into these really, really intense, cravings and so you probably eat something that's really quick energy you know something like maybe really sugary maybe really fatty um and then you know it happens again and then people get into these you know really intense really intense cycles and then you have a lot of if you are someone who you know has basically all women i feel like but definitely some men as well um you know if you've had maybe a little bit of a tricky relationship with food you probably have a lot of guilt and shame around that cycle as well you know and every time you do eat something because you are having these really intense cravings you have a lot of shame attached to that and that's you know maybe even more harmful than the food (laughs) so it you know it's a really dangerous cycle to be in yeah I mean and I'll be completely honest with you I have been in that position Mm -hmm. in the past where I've had a very um you know, not good relationship uh-huh. with food. And then suddenly you're like at the store and you're like, yeah, I'm going to buy some chocolate because I'm craving that. And then you go home and you eat the whole bag and then you feel like crap. And you're like, well, I might as well just eat the ice cream in the freezer now. And it's all I can think about. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly you're just like, oh my gosh, like I, what, like what just happened? And now it's like, all I can think about is just like feeding the sugar machine, you know, yeah. like, Exactly. Yeah. And, and I don't, I personally don't think the goal is to completely eliminate our, you know, desire for sugary foods sometimes. Like I'm not particularly a person that likes sweets. I would rather eat an entire pizza, but um, like I definitely, you know, sit down after like, you know, a solid day of, you know, fat, fiber, protein, whole grain meals And I'm still like, you know, some vanilla ice cream sounds good, but I don't feel it's not intense. It's just like a slight desire. It sounds comforting in the moment. I can eat, you know, a decent portion of it and not feel one, not feel horrible about myself because I've been there. Um, And then I just move on. And I know that I've eaten, you know, it's not about eating good during the day and then having ice cream at night, but I know, okay, I just ate like a really balanced meal. And I know that having some ice cream is not going to make me spike and crash because I've just eaten, you know, fiber, fat, protein, whole grains, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. When you kind of figure out the system and you get into that Mm -hmm. better space and maybe better relationship with food and then, um, you know, and I know for myself and I, you know, hopefully not speaking too much 
out crazy here, but um, I feel like once I did tend to start to notice, okay, like maybe I, you know, I don't like that crash and burn sensation and I didn't even know what to call it back then. I just thought, you know, like I should just start eating a little, you know, better. And um, I think, you know, I was probably like, oh, role model for the kids and type of thing. And, um, you know, and now I, I, like you just said, you know, like I don't really crave as much, but if I do have a craving for it, I'm like, okay, you know what? I should go eat that chocolate because it's not often that I'm sitting here saying like, dang, I want a piece of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it crazy? Like, um, you know, when you, you know, now having a healthier relationship with food, you're like, oh yeah, I just want a little bit of chocolate. And then you go and you eat a couple pieces and being able to walk away from it. Like, isn't that such a good feeling? Yes. Yeah. Very good feeling. It wasn't like I was sitting there thinking about it all day or, yeah. you know, working in my office, just like, oh man, okay. When it hits 305, I'm going to go get some chocolate <laughs> yeah. and it's all I can think about. <laughs> I can relate to that so hard. Or wondering like, oh, you eat, you know, you eat more than you may have wanted because then you're like, oh, I'm not, I don't know when I'm going to let myself have chocolate again. So then you, you know, that's kind of what we call the last supper effect. You know, when you say like diet starts Monday, so Sunday night is just a complete all out, you know, binge for lack of a better word. Um, You know, so it it, it does feel so much better, you know, and I I definitely, I posted something on my stories like this this morning, but I, you know, am a few years out from, you know, having disordered eating and I, I hardly think about it anymore, honestly, but I do have moments like I don't remember when me and my girlfriend were like having saltines with butter for dinner one night, just because. Um, and just stopping and being like, wow, like I would have never been able to do this without absolutely hating myself after, you know, um, or just like that horrible negative self-talk. Um, so you do, you do look back and you're like, this is, this feels so much better. Um, and that's really all I want for people to feel better around food. Like it doesn't need to be so exhausting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, exhausting because it can get to that point and it can be like, oh my gosh, like I just, can I think about anything else? And then like you said, you feel like shame about it and like Mm -hmm. guilty. And it's just like, then you're just like not really accomplishing what you're meant to do. Yeah. You can't like do what you want to do in your life because you're, you know, waiting for three Oh five every day to eat a piece of chocolate. And that's all you've thought about all day, you know? So, um, yeah, just want people to live their lives and just kind of make food, you know, food is definitely still a huge part of my, I mean, it is literally every part of my life. Like I'm a food blogger and I'm almost a dietitian, but (laughs) it like definitely it's, it takes up less brain space, honestly, than it did when I was not on this career path. And, but when I was in some really serious disordered eating. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I'd be interested, um, you know, because you are, you know, like you said, you're in the food space, you're a diet, mm-hmm. you know, dietitian and, you know, you're just constantly around the food all the time. Now, I was talking with my niece, who's actually going to be a senior um, in dietetics at college right now. And she said when she first entered the program her freshman year, the professors were like, you really got to drill down and get your relationship right with food right now, oh, because wow. we're going to keep talking about it and studying it day in, day out. <laughs> That's actually really cool. Um you know, dietetics is kind of notorious for attracting people with eating disorders or kind of a messed up relationship with food because, you know, maybe you go into it thinking like, or you've always kind of been called like the healthy one, you know, oh, she's, she's the one that eats healthy and, you know, 
always brings her food and whatever. And you kind of inherit that identity almost. Um, and it, it tends to attract people like that because you either kind of want justification for kind of the, the not so great habits that you have, or you want to help other people have this quote unquote perfect diet that you have. Or, um, but I, I do actually see a lot of improvements, especially with my generation of dietitians. Like there are just so many people who, um, so many people in dietetics who, you know, are very open about their past with, um, their unhealthy past with food and, you know, just showing that you can be a dietitian and not be obsessed with food, that you can have a healthy relationship with your body and that dietitians come in a lot of different shapes and sizes and, um, that that's, you know, that that's healthy. So we're definitely moving, I think, to a better place as a, as a profession. So that's exciting to hear that her professor told her that. Yeah, yeah. And just hearing you talk about it and her, and I, I do feel really like this is a good path that, you know, future dietitians and current, you know, di- people that are studying dietetics mm-hmm. are, are on just to kind of recognize that, um, yeah. you know, health, it could be one thing for one person and a different thing for somebody else and yeah. um, all, all of that. And so I did want to ask you to come back to the sugar topics. So oh, yeah. Why- why do why do people label maple syrup and honey and coconut sugar and we kind of joked about how they're more expensive but yeah. why do they say, oh those are healthier for you because they're more natural yeah well you know i do i do really think it is an obsession with like calling things natural i think it's a huge issue um in you know i it, i'm going to say the food space but keep in mind that i'm in like I guess more of the, for one, I'm in the vegan food space and there's all kinds of stuff, misinformation there, but I'd say I'm more in the like quote unquote healthier food space. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if there were like niches within, um, just by the fact that I'm studying to be a dietitian, I guess, (laughs) but, uh, but, or just the people that I, that I know of in the space are kind of people who promote like refined sugar free recipes and all this kind of stuff. Um, I do, I do think that there's a huge obsession with like calling things natural and that doesn't necessarily mean that things are good, you know, like, um, I don't know. I just, I don't really like that appeal to nature. Um, or like, this is the way that our ancestors ate. I just don't appreciate that. Cause our, I don't know, our ancestors didn't stare into their phones all day and we do. So, right. I, you know, like <laughs> a heck of a long time to make maple yeah. syrup. That's hard work. Yeah. yeah. That's really know. hard work. They were probably See, burning off the calories have... as they were eating it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things have changed a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just an obsession with things being natural and, uh, healthy and, and that can get into like more, uh, nefarious things, you, you know, like more than just calling maple syrup healthier, but that can kind of get into being like anti mainstream medicine and anti vaccine. Um, you know, so it, it can kind of, I guess it seems a little bit more innocent on the surface, you know, with like, well, why, why is it bad that they're saying that things are refined sugar free? And I don't necessarily think that's good because I think it promotes misinformation, but you know, it's a little bit more innocent than, uh, maybe what, you, you fall down, you fall down that hole and then you get into, you go down a rabbit hole, you know, of all the other things that are not considered natural and, um, 
I don't know. Right, but does your body process it differently? Like, or oh, like, so does, no. it, does it say like, does it say like, oh, hey, that's white sugar? Okay, nope, that's uh, no, that's no, 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 no. Okay, so let's let's go through it. So, sorry, I get I get off on a tangent every time I talk about um, other bloggers and influencers. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so, so like I explained earlier, um, those basic building blocks of sugars can combine to form different types of sugars. So, for example, sucrose, which is 50-50 glucose and fructose is just table sugar. So anytime you see sucrose, just think of like plain white sugar. Um, now, when we're talking about um, maple syrup, coconut sugar, um, uh, honey, even high fructose corn syrup, it's also just a basically 50-50 glucose fructose. So at the very core of like the chemical composition, it's the same thing as white sugar. Um, so honestly, you could say that like high fructose corn syrup is processed basically the same way that white sugar is. Um, same for maple syrup <laughs> is uh, metabolized the same way that high fructose corn syrup is and white sugar. Um, so in same for uh, coconut sugar as well. It's basically 50-50 glucose fructose so that's pretty oh. you know that's pretty much it it's <laughs> just the chemical right. composition is almost like the same. sugar is sugar, sugar. Yeah, <laughs> when it goes that, into yeah it doesn't care what color it is you know when it's in the package you know I think brown is, implies healthier like I think I think like marketing companies know that because every time that they come out with like a product that is supposed to be natural it comes in like brown cardboard packaging you know um <laughs> You know, so I don't know if that's a thing, like, or that it comes from coconut, so it's healthier, but it is just like, you know, you don't open a coconut and there's just like granulated sugar. Like it's obviously had to be processed to get to that point. Um, and processing, the word processed is also somewhat meaningless. Um, you know, things are processed to different degrees. So table sugar is, you know, processed and maple syrup is processed because, Again, it doesn't just like drip down a tree and you collect it and that's maple syrup, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of gross, actually. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah, you have to process it to, yeah, to make sure that it's like safe for human consumption and to like, I don't know. I have no idea how maple syrup is processed. But yeah, basically when you get down to the chemical composition, they're essentially the same. Um, right. I think that's the major point to point yeah. out like that, you know, the inside of your body is processing it the same. And I feel like, and I feel like I've just been talking with so many people about that lately. And maybe it's because of some certain diets out there that mm -hmm. maybe are not concerned about how the insides of yourself look. Yeah. Um, but your body, once it comes inside of you, you know, it's going to, unless you're maybe having some type of adverse reaction and you're really like maybe listening to your body and are mm -hmm. like, okay, whoa, like what did my body just do yeah, when I yeah. ate honey? What just happened there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it can be, I mean, it's, it's misinformation you know, regardless, but I think it can be actually pretty harmful because I think a lot of people, you know, if something is healthier or, or perceived as healthier, they tend to eat more of it, um, or feel, they feel quote, less guilty for eating more of it. Um, you know, and they feel like they, I just see this a lot. Like people have dessert every single day, even if they don't want to, but because it's health, you know, quote unquote healthier because it's made with, maple syrup, maple syrup or whatever, they 
or still are eating a lot of it. And it's like, well, this is really, would you feel the same way if it was made with white sugar? You would probably, you probably wouldn't, you know, and you probably would feel more guilty, which is not good, but just to like evaluate how you feel because something is made with coconut sugar versus white sugar, because they are the same. So just, again, just like reflecting and asking yourself those questions and kind of, you know, just reflecting on your relationship with sugar. And do I even want this? Like I ate a mug cake like every single night for some reason, what, just because it was like a protein mug cake. And now that's oh, wow. gross because I'm like, I don't want that every night, but I felt like I, I mean, I was probably just kind of craving anything, but I just felt like I needed something sweet. Like I just wanted something and it was at least healthier. So I ate it every single night and now I would like never do that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The things that we, yeah, it's more about the relationship. I think yeah. it's kind of, like, you know, um, but I will, I do find it interesting. So you mentioned on your Instagram story and I have to ask you this is, so are people really considering like, if I have so much maple syrup, it's actually giving me nutrients. Like you mentioned oh, that. And I was like, yeah, I oh, <laughs> oh, oh okay. Yeah. So that's, that's like a thing that I hear, um, with, I guess, um, honey, maple syrup, and coconut sugar is um, like, well, they retain some nutrients in processing. And, it, you know, sure. But I think what I put on my stories is, you know, to get, let's see, I'm going through them right now. I think I talked about calcium in maple syrup. Um, okay. So in one tablespoon of maple syrup, which again, like we mentioned, is the same metabolically as one tablespoon of white sugar, but one tablespoon of maple syrup has 2% of your daily value for calcium. So even if you just wanted to get 10% of your daily value for calcium, you'd have to eat five tablespoons of maple syrup, which is going to put you at 70 grams of added sugar. So it's like not like if you're getting like, a significant portion of your nutrients from added sugar, no matter what the source, like that's probably a sign that you're eating too much sugar, too much added sugar, you know? Yeah. Wow. I just, I was just like, whoa, just like people are really, wow. Like That's all the thing that I hear. (laughs) I just think that like, would you really go around like, you know, stacks and stacks of pancakes and pouring gallons of maple syrup Mm -hmm. on them to be like, I'm getting my calcium. I don't know if I would have, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I was just blown away, but then I was yeah. like, people are actually thinking that? Like, yeah. what? Like, no, I, awesome that? I hear that justification, and people do the same thing with sea salt, which is significantly more expensive than iodized table salt because it, you know, quote, retains some nutrients. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't have iodine, which is, like, actually important because most people are not eating seafood every day, you know, and as someone who's vegan, I don't eat eat seafood ever. Um, so, you know, getting iodine is important and you're just spending money again. It's same with the quote refined, uh, unrefined sugars. You're just spending more money than you need to. Yeah. Wow, man. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, this is crazy, right? Like salt is salt, Mm -hmm. you know, but you need that iodine. And actually I I do know someone who is eating, you know, using more of the sea salt and they were actually Mm. really low in iodine. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they even realized it, but they went to a doctor and had to get some blood tests and they're like, you're really low in iodine. And they're like, oh, I guess I've been having more sea salt. And it was like Mm -hmm. a huge red flag. Like, whoa, wait, but 
you know, yes, that's good for you, but you still need to have the, <laughs> the iodine, you know, salt as well. But yeah. Yeah. So many interesting things out there and so many just myths and everything. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, like what is the most important thing about a relationship with sugar that we should know and realize? Yeah. So I would honestly just start with asking yourself a lot of questions um, about your relationship with sugar. Like, how does it feel when you eat something sugary? Like, do you feel bad? Do you eat it and move on? Um, Do you feel like you need to make up for it? Because I think if you sort of implement this information into your life without working on your relationship with sugar, it won't like you won't be able to sustain those changes um, because you're still going to have that lingering maybe guilt or shame when you eat something sugary. And, you know, that's not what we want for people. Um, so just, you know, evaluating that first. I'd say the major um, takeaways from this whole sugar lesson are that most common sugars, uh, most common added sugars are metabolized the same way in our bodies. So, refined sugar free is like not really a term that means anything. Um, number two would be that we just want to overall, uh, reduce our added sugars, not completely eliminate because, you know, life happens and we're gonna eat a birthday cake or we're going to like, I love lemonade. I love lemonade so much (laughs) and I'm not like going to get like, zero calorie lemonade. Like I just think it's gross. So, you know, every now and then I'm going to get a lemonade, but when I am eating those or drinking those more sugary things, you know, every now and then I'm just going to make sure that I'm pairing that with some fat or protein or fiber. So I'm going to drink that lemonade with a meal. I'm not just going to drink it in the middle of the afternoon when I really haven't had any food for a couple hours. So just understanding that we will eat added sugar, but just that we kind of want to reduce it overall, um, just to keep our that blood sugar spike and fall a little bit more even and not create those intense uh, spikes and uh, falls. And then I think the last um, takeaway is just that don't worry about the nutrients and sugar, <laughs> you know, it's just sugar. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many good points there, and this is such a great episode, and I think it just comes down to, like like you said, examining your relationship with Mm -hmm. it, listening to your body, and that message is, I love that you're preaching that message, and that, you know, it's just so refreshing to hear your voice out in the food space and telling the truth, you know, like, hey, this is what's really happening, and just, like, really just listen to your bodies, people. Like, stop just drown out some other stuff here and just really get down. And even if you don't understand the whole science of it, I'm not a big science person. It's just not where my mind goes, Mm -hmm. but that's why I love, love your Instagram account. And I love that you kind of explain it in terms that we all understand as well. Yeah. And I mean, you can't really like, you know, like when I share about the chemical composition of sugars, like it's basically half glucose and half fructose for all of them. Like there's really no like comeback to that, you know, like there, there's really like nothing else to say about it. Like there's, you know, I don't know what someone, if I was, you know, debating with someone on refined sugars, I don't really know what they would tell me back, but it's like, that's just the scientific information. Like, I don't know really what to, (laughs) I don't really know what else to say. This is, this is just it. And like, you know, it, 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 
you know, we're just empowering ourselves with information and, uh, you know, making the best choices from there, from there on. But yeah, just, um, I would just recommend following, uh, registered dietitians on Instagram, um, and just kind of listening to what they have to say. Yeah. So speaking of that, where can people connect with you and find you? Sure. Um, my blog is Emily Eats. My name is E-M-I-L-I-E and then eats.com. And then I'm Emily Eats everywhere. So I'm, you know, mostly sharing kind of the behind the scenes of my personal life, I guess, or, you know, just my day-to-day life on Instagram and Instagram stories. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on I guess Facebook and Twitter, if you're there, I don't really do anything there, but um, I guess the blog and Instagram are my two main platforms. Excellent. Well, we're going to link both those in the show notes and I definitely recommend people go check those out. Um, I get so much great information, yummy recipes as well um, from you. And um, it's just, again, such a refreshing voice out there in the food space um, because you do know your stuff and you're giving the facts, which yes, is important. The, fact, the facts are all I have. I don't, I don't have anything else but the facts. <laughs> and that's what's most important, folks. That's what's most important. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Emily. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Wow. What a great episode. I know I learned so much about sugar and even a thing or two about reading that new nutrition label, which will soon be everywhere, which I didn't even know about. So remember, that was the one that has the sugars and then the added sugars. I think that's going to be super helpful. But I think the most important takeaway for me, though, was that we need to focus more on how we feel, meaning that we need to focus more on our blood sugar levels and how that is affecting us. And at the end of the day, maybe we just don't need to worry so much about it. And we just need to listen to our body. So if you have more questions about sugar or anything else, we are going to link all of Emily's info in the show notes, which can be found at our sponsored blog, badtothebull.com forward slash 20. Again, that is badtothebull.com forward slash 20. And while over there, go ahead and download our free cookbook, with five plant-based meatless mains. Thanks again for listening, guys.